We start with the latest from the Israel-Gaza conflict, and it's been one of the heaviest nights of bombardment in Gaza since the start of the war, with Israeli airstrikes hitting the north of the territory and reports of huge explosions. Israel says it's now effectively divided Gaza into two parts, north and south. Further south, the Royal Jordanian Air Force cargo plane has dropped several containers of humanitarian relief supplies over the Gaza Strip. Jordan's state news agency said the consignment was urgent medical aid for the Jordanian field hospital in Gaza. Israeli media reports say the airdrop was carried out in coordination with the IDF. Meanwhile, the U.S. has stepped up diplomatic efforts in the region. The Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, is now in Turkey for meetings with the country's foreign minister. Also, the country's CIA director, William Burns, is now in Israel, urging greater effort to avoid civilian casualties. And in the last few hours, the White House has said that Vice President Kamala Harris will discuss the conflict in a phone call with unnamed foreign leaders later today. Well, let's just show you that scene live across the Gaza Strip, where it's currently just after 9 a.m. And we'll be bringing you more on all of those latest developments in the next half hour. But first, we're going to begin our coverage with this report from our Middle East correspondent, Yolan Nell. The relentless bombardment continues. The latest Israeli strikes in northern Gaza among the most intense so far. And once again, phone and internet lines were cut. This was yesterday's aftermath. Locals say dozens were killed. Saeed's wife and daughters were wounded. He searches on for his neighbours. Can anyone hear me inside, he shouts. There are people. This is part of Gaza where civilians had been told to flee to. Israel's military says it's looking into whether it was operating in the area at the time. Israel's ground invasion is advancing. Its military says it's now divided the territory into two and that it's doing what it can to avoid civilian casualties. For several hours, Israeli forces say they opened a route for Gazans to head south, though relatively few made the journey. On his latest stop in Turkey, the US Secretary of State is hearing calls for an immediate ceasefire from around the region. Washington backs short pauses in fighting. Everyone would welcome the American pause because, again, it could advance things that we're all trying to accomplish, including getting uh, hostages back, including getting a lot more assistance into Gaza, including getting people out of Gaza. One of the more than 240 hostages being held in Gaza is 84-year-old Elma Abraham. Her family found this photo online where she's seen being taken by Hamas. Her son worries how she's coping without her medication. Right now, we are four weeks after that, four weeks in one day, and they're still not here. And they should be here yesterday, not today, yesterday. I'm like in, a, in some horror movie that I'm stuck, but yeah, I still have hope. Israel says that without progress on releasing the hostages, it won't agree to any pause in hostilities. For now, for so many, each day brings only more suffering. Yolande Nell, BBC News, Jerusalem. So that's the latest from Gaza itself. We're also following developments overnight further north on Israel's border with Lebanon. 
Lebanese state media have reported that three children and their grandmother were killed by an Israeli military strike on a car near the border itself. The Israeli military said it had targeted a vehicle identified as suspected transport for terrorists and was checking reports that civilians had been inside. Hezbollah said it had fired multiple rockets at northern Israel in retaliation. We're live now to Lebanon and our news correspondent, Hugo Bachega. So what's the latest on those uh, strikes, Hugo? Yeah, Lucrezia, so I think this shows how tense the situation is here along the Lebanon-Israel border. So this attack happened last night. Again, the Lebanese authorities are saying that four civilians were killed uh, and they say that this was uh, after an Israeli strike that targeted this uh, car, not really far here from our position in Tyr in southern Lebanon. And last night, a Hezbollah uh, politician said that the group would retaliate. And I think the fear here is that this could lead to an escalation of these hostilities here between Hezbollah, uh, the powerful Lebanese group, and the Israeli army. I think last week we had uh, the first speech by the leader of Hezbollah, Hassan Nasrallah, he did not announce an escalation of, of, of those attacks that have been carried out by the group, but he did leave the door open for more attacks if, uh, depending on the situation on the ground. And he did say that uh, Hezbollah could return to its uh, rule of civilian for civilian. In other words, if Lebanese civilians were killed, Israeli civilians would be targeted. So last night, Hezbollah said he had retaliated. He had launched uh, a barrage of missiles uh, targeting uh, positions in northern Israel. And I think there is the concern here that this uh, latest attack that resulted in these four uh, civilians being killed could lead to an escalation of the violence here. And uh, last night, the Lebanese caretaker prime minister uh, described this attack as a crime. And uh, pictures of uh, this car, this you know car that was destroyed after this uh, attack, uh, were widely shared here on social media, on Lebanese television. So again, Tensions remain really high along the uh, Lebanon-Israel border. Because obviously, the U.S. Secretary of State, who, um, Secretary Blinken, is on a tour at the moment, really trying to calm things down. How significant would it be if Hezbollah were to enter into this conflict? Yeah, so after that uh, speech by Hassan Nasrallah, I think there was some optimism from American officials saying that they believed that the conflict had been uh, contained uh, in Gaza, that uh, there was no uh, sign that uh, the situation here could escalate and this could become another front in the conflict. But the reality is that these attacks continue. They have been frequent. They have been happening uh, in several locations along the border. So there's always the risk of miscalculation. There's always the risk that uh, a single incident could uh, spark a much more violent confrontation here. So I think that's the fear here. Hezbollah uh, has indicated that these attacks are going to continue. The Israeli authorities say that they're going to respond to every single attack coming from uh, groups uh, operating here in southern Lebanon. And obviously, I think some still fear that this violence could escalate and Lebanon could be dragged into another conflict. And, uh, Ugo, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, I'll, I'll just bring this to you and our viewers. So via the Reuters news agency, we're hearing that uh, Britain's Foreign Office has said that it's temporarily withdrawing some embassy staff from Lebanon. Um, have there been other moves by other governments? 
Yeah, we have had in the last few weeks a number of countries uh, announcing that they would uh, remove some of their personnel. They would uh, also uh, they were telling uh, their citizens to leave the country uh, as soon as they can while commercial flights were available. Uh, some countries have also told their citizens to not uh, travel to Lebanon. So I think this is a reflection of the situation here, how volatile the situation is along the Lebanon-Israel border as this uh, conflict between Israel and Hamas continues. Luka Bacheca, as ever, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Well, we're going to cross live now to uh, Geneva and speak to Tomasa de la Longa, who is the spokesperson for the International Federation of the Red Cross and uh, Red Crescent Societies. Hello there, and uh, thank you for joining us here on BBC News. Obviously, this has, or rather on Sunday night, we saw the third comms blackout by Israel on Gaza. How has that affected your agency? Thanks a lot for having me today and thanks for the question. Uh, yeah, it affected badly because uh, we had uh, for the first time, uh, as you said, uh, total uh, blackout of communication with our teams in Gaza and we're deeply worried about that. And even uh, the other thing that is really concerning is that the Gazans, the people in the Gaza Strip, will not be able uh, to contact the emergency medical services, so the ambulance service. And this uh, we already saw in the other two times that affected uh, our operation and also the ability of uh, ambulances and healthcare workers to reach the people uh, uh, injured or the, who need the medical assistance. Obviously, uh, the Jordanian king has uh, announced that uh, medical aid was dropped into parts of Gaza, I believe the northern area of Gaza, which has been hardest hit by uh, Israel's bombardments. Um, is there the likelihood that more of that will take place? Well, I mean, I, I have to say that um, any humanitarian aid entering in Gaza, it's a positive, uh, it's a positive news. But the reality here is that there is uh, not a, there is not a continuous flow of humanitarian aid entering in the Gaza Strip. First, it's still a drop in the ocean, very important, but still a drop in the ocean. And secondly, that we we know at least uh, from our hospital of Al Quds uh, in Gaza City of the Palestine Crescent is that mainly no humanitarian aid is entering in the north, and is a great concern. Uh, all the um, civilians in Gaza and all the care facility in Gaza must receive uh, much needed humanitarian aid, such as medicine and medical equipments for hospital, but also food and water for civilians. Uh, we understand there, there have been two reports of strikes uh, on or near some refugee camps within Gaza, the al re refugee camp and also Maghazi refugee camp. Many of the injured were then sent to the Al-Shifa hospital. What can you tell us about how these hospitals are coping? Well, I can tell you that the health system in Gaza in general is really on the brink of collapse or almost collapse. Some care facility already closed for lack of fuel or lack of medicine. And then the pressure on the hospital that still are open is immense. I can tell you that our colleagues uh, in Gaza City and the Al-Quds Hospital are telling us a scene where uh, there are patients literally everywhere, in corridors, in the halls, everywhere, and medicine are really running out and um, fuel is running out, so electricity. And then there is this uh, confusion where people don't know exactly what will happen next. Uh, we had in the last uh, 48 hours uh, different uh, shelling uh, literally in front of our hospital that created damages inside the hospital, like windows broken, but also damages to intensive care unit. We can call them collateral damages, but for the people who are in panic and for the people who are uh, uh, in that hospital, uh, it means really a, a horrible daily life, and this must stop. 
Obviously, Israel have announced that they've effectively split Gaza in two now, north and, and south. How is that impacting on your operations and what is your plan moving forward? You're in the main Al-Quds hospital, is that correct? Yes, exactly. And, and then also Palestine is running out ambulance service. I, I have to say that it, it's a bit difficult to, to make an assessment at the moment because the situation is volatile and it's changing pretty fast. What I can say is that um, uh, humanitarian teams, ambulances, healthcare workers uh, should have access and should have a safe and unhindered access in every situation. So I, I do hope and I do call on all the parties uh, to make this uh, happen uh, and to make sure that people uh, who need uh, health uh, support uh, will get it, uh, no matter if Gaza Strip is divided in two or three or whatever is the next step. Okay. Uh, Tommaso Della Longa, as ever, thank you for joining us here on BBC News. Thank you. Thank you.